This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, Mo Stewart, and I'm joined once again by Matt Addison and Ben Botchak. And at the moment, there's lots going on in the world of Liverpool, even though the games aren't happening yet. Uh, Jurgen Klopp and his team have been causing pandemonium down in Thailand ahead of the game with Manchester United. And while that's been going on, Sporting Director Julian Ward has been quietly going about his business as well, as I'm sure you all know. Uh, this week's seen the club secure a great fee for a good young player in Nico Williams and tie down a potential defensive cornerstone in Joe Gomez for his prime years. And there's maybe more to come with deals for Naby Keita and in particular, Diogo Jota, who's going to be of interest to us on this show. So, Matt, I'll come to you first on this one. We now know four of the five forwards who we've got, the frontline forwards, are going to be here for at least the next three seasons. We still don't know what's happening with Firmino. He could extend, he could leave. But how are we going to fit them together? This is the fun part, isn't it? And do you think we're going to be able to get a few hints off of these matches against Manchester United and Crystal Palace later on in the week? Yeah, I mean, the, the games are going to be really interesting, I think. More in a sense of finding the partnerships elsewhere other than in the front line, if that makes sense. So I'm I'm interested, for example, to see is there a bit of development in pre-season between Andy Robertson and Luis Diaz, for example, on the left-hand side. Obviously, we've seen Sadio Mane and, and Robertson have that connection. And I think Luis Diaz is one that has certainly gone under the radar, I think it's fair to say, heading into next season. I think he's one that is just going to explode and, and start scoring regularly for Liverpool. I think a few people might be might be a little bit surprised, maybe not Liverpool fans, but certainly people who are not quite so closely aligned with them as, as we are. But I think that's kind of, of the interesting thing for me, really, is to, to kind of see how those things fit together. I think we're probably going to see Mohamed Salah back to, to his best again with a bit of a rest, obviously the new contract as well, giving him a little bit of a boost. Obviously, we know that the connection with him and Trent and you can throw Jordan Henderson in there or you can throw Harvey Elliott in there as well, which is, is going to be interesting. But I think that that's the real, the real interesting thing for me. And I think looking ahead to next season, just purely in terms of those forward options. I mean, I would expect Roberto Firmino, if he can stay fit more than he did last season to play a significant role. And I just think we're not necessarily going to see the front three, as it were. It's it's just going to be a combination of those players. It might be that Diogo Jota starts the season, but Darwin Nunez needs a bit of time and then suddenly ignites. It might be that Mohamed Salah plays every minute for the first few weeks and then maybe gets the odd rest here and there. I just think you need to have those options. There's going to be so many games next season, whichever combination that you've got, Liverpool are going to be pretty confident that they can score goals and, and win the game. So that, that's the main thing for me is I don't think there's going to be a front three. It's just going to be chopped and changed to make sure that everyone stays fit and, and everyone stays as sharp and, and as ready to go as, as possible. I mean, to be fair, it would be quite difficult to build another iconic trio in the same way as the one that we've just had. And we saw towards the end of last season, Ben, that it did very much evolve over time because there was a point where Joshua himself was indispensable. And then towards the end of the season, we saw it was Diaz with Mane through the centre that was the more indispensable one. But I want to pick up on what Matt said about Luis Diaz and how his start was kind of really almost an, a bonus because this is the time where we were almost expecting to have him from. And it's kind of similar, his start to Diego Jotters, if you think about it. He had a really good first season. And so then 
people were wondering how we would deal in the second season. And then in the second season, he scored 21 goals and got himself a brand new contract. So in that respect, he's a really good example for Diaz to follow, to say that, look, if you do come in and you do well and you can sustain it, you will be rewarded. Absolutely. I think you know, it's going to be a big season for Diaz, but uh, I don't even think we'll see the best of him next season. I think give him one full season and then uh, he'll really hit his prime in maybe two seasons time. I think that's when we'll really see um, the best of Diaz. Uh, in terms of the front three, like who knows if it's even going to be a front three. Uh, you know, with Nunes coming in, it could potentially turn into a 4-2-3-1 and then we could also see maybe four of these attacking players that we're talking about feature with Firmino and Schotter probably both capable of playing in behind Nunes and, and Diaz and Salah on the right, but well, I mean on the wings. Uh, but like, yeah, you just never know. I think obviously injuries will play a part, um, form will play a role because towards mm -hmm. the end of the season, like you mentioned, Jota kind of dropped off and Mane came into the central role and he hit the ground running really well in that position towards the end of the season. So I think it's all just going to depend on form. And um, if Klopp can potentially even find uh, a front three that um, works the best together, because uh, last season, um, you know, when Jota's uh, form dropped off and Mane came into the middle, then... Uh, the Diaz, Salah and Mane trio just works really well seamlessly and I think um, that's what preseason is going to be about, finding that balance and finding that dynamic between these players and uh, obviously integrating Nunes into the lineup. Oh, very much so. And in a similar way to last season where there were different stages mm -hmm. of the season, particularly around the AFCON, we do have another international tournament in the middle of the season, Matt. Seems like this is becoming the norm now. Not that sure I like it. But obviously, we are going to have some of our forward line who are going to be going to the World Cup, Diego Jota, Darwin Nunes, and then the others like Luis Diaz and Salah who aren't. So as much as there's obviously going to be downtime for those who aren't around, in the periods of the the Premier League season just around the World Cup, those who aren't going are probably going to have to have more prominence. So those are the times where we might see a few more, maybe uh, different changes of formation. Maybe these are the times when all of these pre-season workouts are going to come into hand. Yeah, and I think you've you've got to kind of do that right from the off as well in terms of this pre-season is all about the first 16 Premier League games for Luis Diaz and, and Mohamed Salah. Salah in particular, I think, is going to benefit from that. We've seen, obviously, what he did in the first half of last season. Then the disappointment of AFCON didn't quite hit those heights. I think if you can basically replicate what he did in the first half of last season in the first half of this season, then give him another pre-season and then do the same thing again, you're just going to get an unbelievable level from him. And that's kind of what I'm expecting, really. I think that's it's almost a little bit harsh on him to expect him to hit those levels for an entirety of the season. But I think he's he's got the, the capability to do that. And I just think that the way that the World Cup has fallen, the way that the fixtures are, it, it just, it's perfectly set up, really. I mean, I'd expect him to start if not all the Premier League games before November, certainly sort of 14 or 15 of them. I think the fact that you've got five subs in the league now makes a big difference as well. If you can play him for 70, 80 minutes in each of those games and, and then take him off and give him the rest that way, I think that plays into to his hands as well. So, yeah, for, for me, it's it's perfectly set up for Mohamed Salah to have 
one of his best Liverpool seasons. And that's just the really exciting thing, isn't it? It's it, it's a case of that being the case, but now we don't have to worry about the contract. You're not thinking, well, we don't want him to do too well because that'll just make the, the offer go up and up and up. And mm. you've got all of the uncertainty around that. The deal is done. The contract is there. We know he's going to be at Liverpool for the next three seasons. And I just think this is is perfectly primed, really, for him to, to hit the ground running, run himself into the ground up until the World Cup reset and, and then go and do the same thing again in the second half of the season so yeah obviously AFCON was a hindrance for him last season in the end obviously it could have been different if he'd have ended up winning it but yeah the, the World Cup the fact that he's not going he'll be disappointed but I really think I really do think it could work out well for Liverpool. It's interesting though isn't it Ben because the timing of this kind of um, new idea of it being a positive what happened with him going out of the World Cup you couldn't really have said it to him at the time because he was definitely still feeling it, with, especially with Mane alongside him. Uh, you couldn't really say it to him at the end of the season because we still didn't really know if he was going to still be there, even though he said he'd be there at least one year. But now, with contract signed, we can start to look at it as a positive. Like Matt said, the way the season's laid out for him, it's the perfect thing for him to get over any disappointment he had lingering from the year before. I mean, from his perspective, I still wouldn't say, like, I don't think he'd agree even now because <laughs> it is the World Cups and, and any, anyone wants to play in the World Cups. So I, I don't think he'll, he'll ever see that as a positive. Uh, he'll be disappointed not to have made it with Egypt. And I'm, sh- that, I'm sure that month when he's the World Cup is going on, that's going to be a, a bit of a torture and a nightmare mm. for him because he'll be itching to, to be involved and... He will have some envy towards the players that are involved, and especially his former teammate Sadio Mane, who obviously beat him to that spot. Uh, but no, from Liverpool's perspective, absolutely, I think uh, it is a huge positive. I think Salah is someone who will never admit it, but he does need a rest. He is human, and uh, that that month break in between the season, I think, could be really beneficial for for him and his fitness and and especially at the kind of age he is at now at 30 he there's no way that he could have sustained the amount of minutes he played last season over a long period of time so i think it's going to be a a a perfect opportunity for him to rejuvenate and really kick on when the football does return no i think that's a very good way of looking at it uh as you say, he probably won't be happy. Um, expect to see lots of uh, Instagram videos of him hard at work at training throughout the World Cup, particularly during that first game where uh, Mane's taking on Virgil van Dijk. But hopefully he will be resting up at some point during that period and fit and firing to go in the second half of the season when the trophies are being given out. So, OK, let's look at the other members within this. And there's been some debate amongst fans and I know, Matt, that you did a piece where you were putting across one argument about whether we start the season with Darwin Nunes, whether we need to start the season with Darwin Nunes. Yes, we have spent a lot of money on this guy, but as you've mentioned earlier, we do have Diogo Jota, we have Roberto Firmino, who can also play centrally. We can give him the time to kind of find his feet within the Liverpool status. We've seen players start like a house on fire, but we have to remember... That is still the exception rather than the rule, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we did the piece and you can argue it either way. I just think with Diogo Jota, again, he was another one that kind of lost a little bit of consistency in the second half of last season. But we can't forget just how good he was in the first half. He still ends the season with 21 goals. He's obviously overtaken a little bit by Sadio Mane in the second half of last season. But for the first half, he was, you know, other than Mohamed Salah, one of Liverpool's best attacking outlets. Obviously, then Luis Diaz comes in, a couple of things change, but it just wouldn't surprise me that he starts the season through the middle and Liverpool do what they have done with Fabinho, with Andy Robertson, with various others, and just take their time, really. I don't think Jurgen Klopp or Liverpool will care that they've spent an initial £64 million on a player, therefore he's got to come in straight away and, and play every minute. I just don't think it, it really works like that. It's it's different to, you look at Erling Haaland at Manchester City, you don't expect him to be there more than two or three years, so they've got to make the most of him whilst he's there. But with Darwin Nunez, it's different. I think he's very much a long-term prospect for Liverpool. Obviously, they've spent a lot of money on him and they expect him to score a lot of goals, but it just wouldn't surprise me if maybe he was eased into it a little bit more than mm. just thrown in. I think, you know, it just makes sense really to go with Luis Diaz and, and Salary the side. I think that's pretty much nailed on to, to start the season. But then if you've got Jota through the middle, you've got Nunez who can kind of ease his way into life as a Liverpool player. I think that could be the, the best way to go. And I mean, you only have to, to look at, at the scenes. You mentioned them before when they landed in Thailand. You look at, at the new players. I know Calvin Ramsey isn't there, but for Fabio Cavallio and Darwin Nunez, they've been at, at big clubs before, or, or certainly Nunez has, but they won't have, have got used to, to being in quite that Liverpool bubble. Yeah. It's it's just a, another level entirely. So, yeah, the, the price tag won't make any difference, I don't think, in terms of whether he starts the season or not. It's just a case of, is he quite ready? And if he isn't, you might as well take your time and, and bed him in. And mm. I don't know, there, there is there is a bit of a theory for, for me, really, that you could maybe give Nunez a bit more of the Champions League games. He'll be used to, to those less used to the Premier League. Ease him in slowly. Don't get me wrong. I think it'd be Liverpool's number nine for, for the next few seasons generally. But just the, the first few weeks, it wouldn't surprise me if Diogo Jota started the season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Ben, Matt mentions Erling Haaland and he is unfortunately, a a shadow within this conversation because there is going to be lots of people within the media desperate to put the two of them up to each other. Maybe this is Klopp's plan all along to kind of diffuse some of that by basically holding him back uh, and allowing all of the noise around Haaland to blow out before he introduces him. And as Matt mentioned as well, with Jota, we have the option of someone who can do that. He can also play out on the left. From Jota's perspective, He's a little bit kind of the forgotten man of the forward line. If you think about it, the focus has been on everybody else until this recent new deal. And his flexibility is probably going to come in handy because he is one of the people who we've seen play on the right when Salah doesn't play as well as on the left. But for his perspective, do you think he would want to have a preferred position, a nailed down role within the team? Or is he happy to just kind of get in where he fits in? Yeah, I mean, first with Nunes, I think I complete, I completely agree with him needing time. And obviously, it's unfortunate that he is going to be compared to Haaland. But uh, having spoken to his coaches at Penarol, at Almeria, and uh, uh, even Benfica, he's always taken time to get going. At Almeria, it was about six months before he really started to hit form. Um, then it, Benfica, he needed a, a season to sort of settle into into their style of play. So 
I do think it's going to take him time. He's not the kind of forward of Haaland's ilk who's probably going to hit the ground running, let's be honest, straight away at Manchester City. Um, but he is, um, once he gets going, as we saw at Benfica and at El Maria as well, he is a pretty phenomenal forward of his own right as well. Uh, and obviously it helps that there won't be so much pressure on him with the fact that Diogo Jota is there. And I think for Jota, he'll be content playing anywhere. Um, he, we saw him playing on the right a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of him playing on the right. I do think he's best suited to the left. Uh, and obviously through central roles, uh, Jota can thrive. And uh, if there is a 4-2-3-1, potentially even as a sort of number 10 um, yeah. type of forward just in behind Nunes, I think that could work really well. And uh, the, the way he sort of contributes defensively, I think Jota could suit that role as well. No, he could. And something that I've flagged up as well when in comparison to his time with Wolves, obviously remember how he linked up with Raul Jimenez from a similar place on the pitch. But we'll have to wait and see. Someone else who's been flagged up for that potential role is uh, Fabio Carvalho. And Ben, I'll come back to you on this one because I know that you are particularly a big fan of the boy Carvalho. Now, during this pre-season time, we probably won't see a massive amount of this formation change. And for Leicester, we did see, sorry, for Fulham, we did see him perform in a kind of a left forward role uh, at certain times. So particularly in these first few games against Manchester United and Crystal Palace, is that where you expect to see him performing? It's difficult because obviously Firmino will probably play the number nine role against United. Diaz is back, so I expect him to play on the left, uh, which I think could potentially see Cavallo drop back and play in midfield. Like Klopp mentioned, he sort of highlighted the fact that he can play in midfield. And I, I do sort of expect him to play in midfield. Of course, he can also play on the right, which could be another position. He's played that under 18 level for Fulham and sometimes even at first team level as well. So that's another option for Liverpool. Um, I think he's going to be playing a bit of everywhere, really, in, throughout pre-season. I, I would expect him to um, potentially play in one of the attacking roles, left or right wing, uh, maybe even as a false nine, as Klopp suggested. But I I, I don't think that will be his uh, first choice. Um, I think he'll play um, as an advanced midfielder as well. Um, whether that's on the left side of midfield or the right side of midfield, we shall see. Obviously, at Fulham, he preferred to play on the left side of the midfield. And I think he was really good at sort of playing in behind Mitrovic and picking up those pockets of space um, in the final third. And um, obviously, he got a, a fair few goals. He's very good at um, getting into those positions where he can uh, make an impact in the final third as well, which... At the moment, Liverpool don't really have a midfield. So mm. for that reason, I think um, I would like to see him in midfield uh, in pre-season. And I really do believe he, he has something to offer that Liverpool don't possess at the moment. No, he's definitely going to be one who I'll be watching for sure. And as we've seen a lot of the time, these formations, they may start one way on a page, but it's more about where on the pitch they find themselves in space. And yes, Carvalho is definitely going to be one to watch. So... Looking ahead to this Manchester United game, Matt, um, we saw in the last couple of pre-seasons 
uh, particularly in the early games, Klopp going with two different 11s for the first 45 minutes and the second 45 minutes. Now, obviously, some of the guys came back a little bit later. Some of them had international football after the season. Yes, I don't know why either. Um, so are you expecting Klopp to kind of take that approach to this Manchester United game? Yeah, I think it, it'd be interesting because I think a lot of people will read a lot into these friendlies and I really don't think they should. I think Manchester right. United have been a week longer in training. I think Jurgen Klopp was pretty quick when he did his, his press conference over the weekend to, to point that out really and just say, listen, they, they've been in training longer. They're going to be fitter and sharper or certainly on paper, in theory, they should be. Um, but yeah, I, I would expect a lot of, of the players, I think 37, isn't it, that Liverpool have, have taken to Thailand. I imagine the vast majority, if not all of them, will get minutes at some point. It might be that, you know, Mohamed Salah, Darwin Nunez, anyone that's only been with the team for, for a couple of days, they may may not play. They may only play sort of a few minutes here and there. But yeah, I think that the ones who, who certainly would start in this game would be you know, the ones who were there from day one. So Diaz, I would imagine, Cavalio, players like that that have been there from the start. Joe Gomez as well, obviously, a big preseason for him. I think Henderson, Milner, those kinds of players. But yeah, it's not going to be a case of them taking this game seriously and needing to win it. It will be very much a case of the medical staff and the fitness team picking the, the team and, and the sort of combinations. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be the same for Crystal Palace as well on Friday. But It'd be interesting to see kind of where people play and that kind of thing. But I don't think we should read that much into it at this stage. No, I think it's fair to say that Eric Ten Hag and Manchester United will be a lot more keen to win this game than Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, whatever happens. But let's face it, we're still probably going to win anyway. Uh, now, um, I'm really looking forward to I don't know whether we're going to see it in this first game or at some point during pre-season, but I'm looking forward to the moment when we get to see Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunes on the pitch together. Because once they build up that relationship, I have a feeling that it's going to become a real, real um, uh, strong weapon for Liverpool in the future and something that we could be seeing. We could be talking about in similar range to what you were saying earlier, Matt, about um, Robertson and Mane and Trent and, and Salah. And these kind of link-ups which are devastating. So I'll come back to you on this one, Matt. Are there any other combinations within the forward line or maybe even some of the younger midfielders who you're particularly looking forward to seeing? Anyone you think is going to really hit it off? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the obvious one, isn't it? Um, the, the Nunez and, and Diaz thing, you kind of think, well, they've come from the same league. They've kind of had the same experiences over the last couple of years. Maybe it'll click. And listen, it might not be that simple. It might take a little bit longer, but there's certainly a lot of, of potential for, for that to be the case. I think Cavalio is one that, again, I'm really interested to see not just the combination, but the, the specifics of, of where he's asked to play. I think, you know, for, for, for me, I would like to see him in that forward line. I think it makes sense when you've got someone who's as good at arriving into the box and finishing and knowing the right moments to, to come into to, to certain areas on the pitch. I think it makes sense to position them as close to the penalty area as possible. But then you look at the options that Liverpool have got in those areas what exactly does does that look like? But I think it's a big, big preseason for a few other players as well in those areas. I think Roberto Firmino is one that obviously is trying to earn a new contract, but is also trying to work out his position. I think we'd probably all agree that he's the fifth choice out of the, the first five attackers. But then it's a case of he can only play in one of those positions. You've got Jota and Nunez that we've talked about, how excited we are about seeing those two in that position as well. It's it's suddenly a little bit difficult to, to see kind of how he plays. But 
you know, a couple of, of decent performances in preseason, and suddenly you, you can look at him very differently. Mm. Curtis Jones is another one as well. I think is is really really important for for him to have a good preseason. I know he's been sort of talking about that the last couple of days as well in terms of, of feeling that that is the case for for him as yeah. well. So yeah, it's it's a big time I think for a number of these players, but I think that's the the kind of in terms of the combination specifically, it's difficult because, you know, Jurgen Klopp again has been talking about Curtis Jones and said, well, he can play a little bit further forward. Maybe we might see him a bit in the forward line, which would certainly excite me a lot more than, than seeing him in midfield. But yeah, I think it's it's just the case now of whichever whichever players Liverpool put on the pitch, there's a case to be made that there's one or two combinations that you'd be excited about. And I suppose that more than anything is the exciting thing. It doesn't really matter who plays. There's always going to be exciting options there. They will. And um, I'll ask you the same question, Ben. But before I do, I want to pick up on what you said, Matt, about Bobby. And he's the one who we haven't really spoken about in the show amongst the forward line. And one thing we've always said about him, Ben, is that his ability to make the players around him better is one of his key attributes. And it might be that we see him, maybe he he strikes up a partnership with Carvalho or maybe even with uh, Diaz and it starts, it sparks something and maybe we see him get his own little run in the team that maybe he was expecting to maybe only play bit parts. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't write Firmino off by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's got the experience in the team which it works to his advantage because the rest of Liverpool's attackers, maybe apart from Mohamed Salah, don't really have the experience and the pedigree that Firmino possesses. At the same time, you know, he's also someone who can be versatile. Um, he can play in a, a number of roles, um, even even in midfield. So I think that could see him feature more regularly, particularly with the five subs in the Premier League. And then on top of that, um, last season, yes, he didn't feature as much, but in terms of his goals per 90 or per minute contributions, it was still pretty high up there. And um mm-hmm. Uh, he made a lot of um, impacts off the bench. I think almost 50% of his goal contributions came off the bench last season. So that's, again, um, you know, something that he can offer to the team. And, uh, you know, with Divock Origi gone, Liverpool do kind of need uh, another super sub. And I think Firmino can provide that uh, potentially. And, yeah, in in terms of the partnerships, I think um, Matt's pretty much covered most of the uh, people to look out for, but I am looking forward to seeing Harvey Elliott and Fabio Kawaii reunite. Uh, obviously, they know each other well from their Fulham days, and uh, although they're probably at the start going to be vying for similar sort of positions in the team, uh, I think potentially this Manchester United game, where not all of the first team options are going to be available could be an opportunity for them to play together and I think that would be really exciting to see if they still possess that connection that they had from their England youth days and their Fulham days. Um, I think that's going to be one to watch for sure. I think the Fabio Harvey narrative is going to be one that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on all season because it has the potential to be fantastic, like you say, the way that they can rekindle their old days and maybe work brilliantly together but they are also fighting for the same spot. It almost feels like teammates on a Formula One team where they're like, they're teammates, but they're also battling for that same spot. So that's steel sharpening steel. We've seen that throughout this Liverpool squad and it normally means everybody raises their level. So something else to look forward to. But with this Manchester United game 
starting very, very soon after you probably watching the show. Maybe you've watched it after the game. Well, they've got all of preseason ahead of us to look forward to all of these machinations and to work out who's going to be playing with whom and to potentially overreact to all of these little things that don't really matter because it's still preseason. But hey, we love discussing it anyway, and I'm sure you love listening to us discuss it anyway. Matt, Ben, it's been another fantastic show. Thanks for your company. To all of you, we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.